Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates of this floating rock that we call Earth. Welcome to Off the Wire, and as always, I am your host, Noel Olin, a.k.a. the Cajun Libertarian. And tonight, we have an extraordinary guest on. As always, this show produces nothing but amazing guests, and Adam B. Coleman is at the tippy top of that list. Real quick, something I rarely do, but I'm going to do it tonight. I want to give you a brief rundown of his pedigree before we kick off the show, just so that you understand and know to at least some degree who it is in the level of intelligence that we're talking to tonight in Adam B. Coleman. Adam B. Coleman is the author of Black Victim to Black Victor. He's an op-ed writer, public speaker, and the founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. Adam is a columnist for Human Events, a frequent contributor to, for uh, the New York Post, and has articles published in Newsweek, The Federalist, The Epoch Times, Daily Mail, The Post, Millennial, Unheard, Schoon TV, Free Black Thought, Life News, Headquarters, and Human Defense Initiative. If that wasn't enough, let's top it off with he has also appeared on Fox News, Talk TV, Fox Business, Newsmax, The Hills Rising, Skies News, Australia, and numerous podcasts, of which he can add this one to the list of his pedigree now. And so, this is going to be a fantastic episode. This is going to be a very enlightened in uh, for your soul and your in, informatively uh, enriched episode, because we have somebody that is very well-versed, as the pedigree has just laid out. It's going to be a great show next on Off the Wire. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for joining us on a very incredible and important episode of Off the Wire with me, your host, Noel Olin, uh, a.k.a. the Cajun Libertarian. Before we get started and bring Adam on, let's get to our sponsors of the show. Our first one up is dsydo.com. I uh, fully admit that I have screwed that up on the screen there, but... You get the point, DSYDO. DSYDO is a libertarian-owned T-shirt company and also sweaters, hoodies. They have a variety of things. Uh, go check them out. It's amazing. Uh, with designs intended to start a conversation, use code CAJUN15, that's C-A-J-U-N-1-5, CAJUN15, for 15% off your order at disdo.com. That's DSYDO. D-O.com, D-S-Y-D-O.com. You can get spicy shirts like the one I'm wearing now that says uh, safe and expected is now unexpected and not safe. Let me read it uh, verbatim here. Safe and effective is now sudden and unexpected. And so use your code Cajun15 at D-S-Y-D-O.com. 
to get your spicy shirts and your spicy uh, wife beaters and your spicy everything. Do it. Do it now. Cajun15dsydo.com. Also, you are the power.net. Thank you, Spike Cohen. And you are the power.net for sponsoring the show. Here's a video. The game plan of You Are the Power is pretty simple. We find people who are being harmed or abused or neglected or mistreated by their local governments. And uh, yeah, this is my life's work. Uh, we want to help people. This is something that has already began to affect real change. This isn't some distant, futuristic, utopic or utopian <laughs> dream. It's already happening. It's making yeah. its courts. It's making waves right now as we speak. If you want to learn how to become an effective activist and then to do actual activism and actually help people right. now, not wait for, like you said, some distant utopian future where libertarians take over the world and leave everyone alone. If you want to do that now, that's what we're doing. This next year is going to be the year that people see what liberty actually looks like. Not what it sounds like, not what our philosophy is, but what it act, the actual results and ideas, the solutions behind what we do. So that's what I'm doing with You Are The Power. I would love for you to be a part of it. You are the power.net. We'd love for you to uh, become a member. And uh, yeah, this is my life's work. Absolutely. You are the power.net. And of course, yes, that is me, yours truly, in that sponsored uh, ad promo for you are the power.net, which is a nonprofit organization with Spike Cohen at the head. Please go sign up. It's free. You'll get every update of what's happening and what's going on in that fight for our American liberty, our American freedom. Uh, and what we're trying to desperately push forward and to conserve, if I can, if I'm allowed to use that word in libertarian circles, I'm sorry. Yes, I want to conserve American liberty and American freedom, at least to some point of what we used to have pre-COVID and beyond. With that being said, let's bring on our main guest, our main person of the hour, the very accredited, very intellectual, very esteemed man of the hour, Adam B. Coleman. Adam, hey. how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I know you're a very, very busy man. You're making a lot of waves. You're doing a lot of things in the very forward and positive movement of uh, what we call this country, America. Let me start off by asking you this. Um, <laughs> what is it and we'll get into the finer details of, of this in, in, in the nuance. But what is it, you know, primarily that drove you into the arena of having this desire and this passion to change the political landscape within America? Um, by feeling like I wasn't able to say what I really wanted to say. Um, you know, that's what started for me to write my book right behind me. Um, it came after George Floyd and, and, you know, for me, I wasn't active on social media or anything like that, but I'm just, a, I'm an observant uh, kind of person. So I'm watching and listening and I had so many things that I wanted to say that were in complete disagreement of the world around me. I'm watching people having panic attacks and making narratives, you know, the media framing my existence as a black male, 
as one of fear and, and constant danger. And, and obviously they never talk about class and the impact of class. Um, I'm watching these, you know, multimillionaire basketball players who are crying and, and acting like, you know, they're next <laughs> with the knee on their neck, you know? So it's just like, I'm watching all this, all these things. And at the same time, I felt like I couldn't say what I really wanted to say. Um, it wasn't until I started getting in like free speech circles where I started to ask the question, like, am I the only one who feels this way? And it was comforting to hear other people say, no, you're not. And other people were in similar situations. Um, and that was kind of, that was basically the start for me to write my book. It took me about nine months. Um, I self-published it. Wow. I had no public profile. Um, you know, I didn't even really use social media. I had a Facebook account, but I barely touched it. Um, and from there, that was in March, um, at the end of March, 2021. Um, so everything that you've seen has happened since then. Wow. Nice. Uh, let me get this comment real quick. I usually save them for last, but uh, this is a really good one. Logic Rex. Oh, okay. I think last time I saw Adam up was on the sharp way with Larry Sharp, who I've had yeah. on the show multiple times. I, I, I'm not sure how many times I've had him on, but multiple times. Good to see him back up there. So mm -hmm. you are obviously not um, somebody who is underground. Uh, you're obviously somebody who is it within our libertarian or anarchist or just, you know, basic uh, liberty circles. And so it's glad to see, I'm, I am glad to see personally, I am glad to see that you are, uh, you're not uh, undiscovered in this arena. So let me jump to this. Uh, let me jump to this next question because, you know, you and I have been talking back and forth several mm -hmm. times. And one of the things that, uh, I discovered on your Substack, which I'm right now trying to put up. It is adambcoleman.substack.com. Please go subscribe. I'm going to ask you, by the way, several times, Adam, to promote your everything that you want promoted to help you out because I think you're such an amazing voice just from what I've seen on Twitter. Right. You and I have never spoken before tonight, but just from what I've seen on Twitter, I think you're making great strides. So I want to ask thank you. This. Yeah, you're very welcome. No, thank you for what you're doing. You have almost 100,000 followers on Twitter. You're making massive waves. But I want to uh, continue this this theme of kind of diving into why you've decided to do what you've done and make the decisions that you've made. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a red, I, oh, I'm sorry, I was red, this is a quote, I was red-pilled by a British conservative. Now, this is an end quote. Now, this is a, a red pill, blue pill, for those of you that are listening that don't understand, that is not a Democrat-Republican thing. Uh, red pill, blue pill is a matrix reference, meaning if you took the blue pill, you stayed asleep. If you took the red pill, you became awake. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a matrix reference. So can you give us a brief rundown of how that happened with you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I call it coincidence. I call it maybe, um, you know, something that was supposed to happen in my life. But I was traveling abroad. Uh, I started traveling abroad a number of years ago, uh, bouncing around Europe uh, multiple times. And I made it to Madrid. Um, 
and I, I ended up going to a, uh, a an English pub to watch my favorite team play, which is Chelsea, for any uh, soccer fans. Um, so I, I was you know watching Chelsea play. They finished the game, and I you know I was ready to leave, and then all of a sudden it was torrential downpour. Just all of a sudden, I you know I've I'm far away from my hostel. And, you know I got no you know no umbrella, so I was like screw it, I'll just stay and watch another game. So I stayed, and the next game was Manchester City, um, and I decided to just sit next to this couple that was there, and the the guy was English, and his um, his girlfriend, uh, she was Spanish, and he had been living in in the Madrid area for a number of years. Uh, he was originally from Manchester, but we were just talking, uh, just randomly about all types of stuff, comedy and movies and stuff like that, and you know, really nice guy. And so anytime I meet people while I'm abroad, I exchange information with them. Um, and almost immediately when I made it back home, we would, we were basically talking every day, uh, football and all types of stuff. But one day uh, he told me that he was for uh, Brexit. Uh, for people who are familiar, it's about uh, England uh, pulling out of the EU. Yep. And so I thought that was interesting because the narrative that I heard was, uh, Brexit is being perpetuated by these racist British people who don't like foreigners and all this other stuff. So I asked him, well, you know, cause I had good faith in him. He's been nothing but cordial to me. So I asked him, well, why are you for this? And he said to me, the United States would never allow an outside governing body to tell it what to do. And I'm like, yep, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that was the first time I had ever heard that, argument like that side of of the brexit conversation and so from there we just started talking and and uh we we actually went on like binges you know with audiobooks and stuff like that um he actually introduced me to thomas soul i never heard of thomas soul prior to meeting him wow um and milton friedman and and all these different characters and uh, you know, swapping ideas and um, listening to podcasts. So, you know, I was kind of sort of doing that prior, but he set it to like a whole other level and had me really question things. Um, and, and so, you know, that's why I say he helped to red pill me, but it was a chance encounter uh, because, um, you know, I'm also a fan of Real Madrid. And anytime I go to a city and I could try to see a game, I'll go to the game. And I could have sworn they weren't going to be playing at home. And turns out they were. Mm. And then, you know, I went to go watch, I went to go watch them play at, at some other place. And then I saw Chelsea was playing shortly after. So then I went to another English pub and I was in there. And for whatever reason, I was like, nah, this doesn't feel right. And I left and went to another one. So I had all these little things that could have happened uh, to lead me to not meeting him in the first place. Um, and, I, and, and to kind of cap it off, I was able to meet up with him, uh, basically since, since then I, I hadn't seen him in person, but my wife and I went to Madrid this past September, uh, for our one year anniversary. And we met up with him and, and his, uh, fiance and she was about, she's literally like a week away from giving birth, <laughs> you know, the big belly and everything. Uh, but we, we went out and had a great time, had some Indian food and it was great to see him. And, and I, we're planning on meeting up again uh, in a different place, uh, maybe later this year. 
That's awesome. That's a yeah. great story. I mean, that, that's <laughs> like one of the maybe one of the most rare stories that you're going to hear about somebody uh, wind up waking up to the system being completely corrupt, uh, both left, right, <clears throat> in the middle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, I, I would love to uh, love to hear more about that that story privately. But right now, while we're on air, uh, let's let's dive into kind of what you've been going really just full frontal on. And it's something that I've adopted. Uh, I, I guess adopted is probably a misrepresentation of, of the vernacular that I choose to mm -hmm. use. And so what, what I would rather say is something I've been promoting, something that I've been dealing with for for quite a while i'm, I'm a brand new podcaster and it's about a year and a half now that i've been doing this closing in on two years but still one of the biggest podcasts in the world for some reason i have no idea why <laughs> however um something that i've been hammering quite frequently everywhere is that the destruction of our society will come at the hands of a fatherless society and this is something I'm huge on. And I got a lot of pushback from a lot of women, and rightfully so. I get it. Like, I didn't I didn't provide the nuance. And they're like, oh, no, it's women, too. And I'm saying, I get that, but I'm literally telling you that the focus should be on fathers raising boys. That's a mat. You look at every – are the women shooting up? I think we talked about this already. Yeah, are, are the women shooting up the schools? No. Are the women uh, destroying society from violent crime? No. It's all men, or it's all males. Shouldn't say men because they're not men. Anybody that's doing these acts of violence are just ignorant boys with violent tendency. They are not men because men don't act like this. But the underlying difference, and this is regardless of race factor anything of that nature it is always fatherless homes this affects every single society or every single demographic within society <laughs> and so you have been absolutely on the ball with this this is something that's your major deal it's a major deal of mine anybody that's been following me and a lot of you that have been listening to the show for, for the uh, close to two years now, you understand and you know that this is something that I've been harping on personally and that one of the prime, if not the primary destructive factor in American society, in, in any society around the world, it just seems to be diseasing ours the most at the moment, is a fatherless home. And I don't just mean fathers that you're fatherless homes, right? Uh, it's just a, a single motherhood home. No, I also mean absentee fathers, right? What I mean by that is there are fathers in the home, but they are absentee. They're not engaged with their children. Primarily, I mean their sons, and I say that unapologetically. Of course, uh, daughters need their fathers. Absolutely. But sons being raised without a prominent male figure in the home are absolutely destructive and dangerous. Where did you 
come to the conclusion, you know, where did you find out that this was absolutely truth? And when did you start to dissect this problem and then begin to propagate the, the resolutions for said problem? Well, for one, I grew up without my father. Um, so I understand the impact of it. Um, it took a long time to kind of dissect it. Um, wow. And I also had my son at the age of 21. So, you know, relatively young. But then I had to raise my son to become a man. And I didn't even know how to be a man. Um, so as much as my son was maturing, I was maturing as well. Um, and the only thing I knew was not to be my father. Um, so I just tried to become the father that I wanted. Um, and wow. and I, I think my son was a big part of it because, you know, I remember someone telling me, you know, your son watches you. And they didn't mean it figuratively. They meant it literally. Mm. Like your son's watching you. And my son has a lot of my mannerisms. Um, my son, you know, he has a lot of respect for me. Um, and, and I, I, I realized how important uh, a father is as I, as I really started understanding my role as a father, um, in, in looking at the outcomes for my son. Um, so, you know, my, my book, for example, you know, on the surface, you know, it's called black victim, black victor, I was you, know, about so, to go to that. you know, it's talking about race. But it kind of isn't. Um, I wrote it in a way where I go in and out of talking about race, and then times I'm very being very general. Um, and I and I wanted people to learn from my personal story. You know, when people say, "Well, you know, the kids they're just fine," you know, single parents, you know, mom is strong and she's great, and the kids turned out fine. Um, mm. And that's not true. Like the kids nope. might look fine on the surface, but let me tell you. Um, I had to go through therapy. I struggled with a lot of things. It took me a long time to figure out stuff um, that most young men learn from their fathers early on. Um, you know, it, it took me a long time. I've, I've said this before. I probably didn't become a man until about five years ago. Wow. You know, and I'm 38. So it, it took me a long time to come to that point of being fully confident fully understanding my role, fully understanding my purpose. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean I was a bad person or anything like that, but it was just the understanding how to be a complete man um, and what that, what that person looks like. But as far as single parent homes, you're right. It's not, it's not just black Americans, right? There's, there's two sides yeah. to the stats, you know, are we disproportionately higher? Yes. I, you know, you can't deny that. But statistically, there are more white Americans who grew up without their fathers than black Americans. Facts. And, and, and this is actually an American problem. The United States is number one in single parenthood in the world. And I don't Facts. think people understand that. I think Russia is number, I can't remember if it's Russia number two or three in the UK or the UK is number two or three, but they're right behind us. Um, mm -hmm. But we're, we're number one in that, in that respect. And so when we look at a lot of the social issues that are happening, when we look at crime, when we look at all these different things, I mean, there is a very frequent common denominator um, and it's growing up in single parent homes. You know, for me, 
you know, I grew up, I'm sorry, I didn't grow up. I, I was born in Detroit, but my mom left when I was five years old. And I'll tell you this, I'm glad she wow. left because I was very impressionable, right? We moved to, you know, rural areas and suburban areas. Crime wasn't bad, but I was very impressionable. I cannot imagine if I stayed in Detroit, what I would have gotten into, what, what would have possibly happened to me. I have no idea. And I don't, I don't really want to think about it uh, too hard, but, um, but the idea that there are young men who are basically handicapped from birth because they're vulnerable. Um, they are vulnerable. They don't know what they don't know. And the world around them says it's okay. Right. And I think the, you know, I write about it in my book, the modern feminism avoids responsibility. It just mass any, any sort of bad behavior we would have said before, it just smooths it over. Right. It, it turns, for example, it turns women who make bad decisions as being strong and powerful. And, you know, I'm, I'm very open in my book. You know, I criticize myself, I criticize my father, and I criticize my mom. And I do that because I think it's important to say that we need to be fair in this conversation. I think far too often we say did be dad, but act like the mother had nothing to do with it. And I use my story as an example. My mother always said she wanted two kids, but she never wanted to get married. That was my wow. mom's words. And my mom chose a man who was married. That's my father. So, you know, mm. you're setting us up to never have our father in our lives. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, where's the, where's the accountability for the women who make choices like this? Not every woman, not every guy is a dippy dad. Some guys are being pulled away from their kids by the court system, right? So every situation is different, but we can't act like, it's just one side. It's like, where all these fathers go? Some of them are pulled away, right? Some of them are locked up in jail. Some of them are fighting for their kids. Anytime I tweet about of being, you know, fathers being close to their kids and it gets some traction, I get messages from fathers like, I'm fighting to see my kids. My kids don't want to talk to me because their mother did this. Like, there are so many men who are hurting uh, in this country and regardless of race, most of the people who reach out to me aren't even black, right? They're saying, like, I'm trying to be in my kid's life, but all these hurdles are in my way. And I get really pissed off when we act like fathers are indifferent to their kids, that they're just perfectly okay. Like, even, even my, my tweet that got some traction as far as my ex having an abortion. In society today, men are just supposed to be indifferent to whether the mother kills their kids or not. And yep. that is that is a fundamental issue that I have with how, how everybody is viewing what fatherhood is. And fatherhood has become optional, indifferent, just standing by whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Kids, kids or whatever, kids aren't my deal. You take care of the kids, right? That's the picture that that we're, that's being painted. They don't ever talk about the sacrifice. They don't ever talk about um the importance of, of instilling certain things. How about the importance of making sure that our kids are our kids, right? No one wants yes. to talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, so let, let me yeah. address this one issue real quick. Um, yeah. I, I loved everything you just said right there. I, I, but I, I have to revisit this because 
I think it really un- underlines the entirety of what it is that you're, uh, you know, kind of outlining here. When you're talking about the double standard, and, and we love, or, or some of us love to talk about, uh, or many people love to talk about the fact that the judicial system is very biased in the mother's favor. But mm-hmm. let me let me talk about something else real quick because I, I think this is vastly more important than the actual judicial system. I think it's I think it's more important that we understand and try to dissect the actual mentality of our society because let's be real people we can't solve these problems via the judicial system mm-hmm. without addressing the societal mental disorder that is America right now. You've got literally, and I retweeted your uh, tweet, or I, yeah, I retweeted or quote, I think I retweeted it, where it's okay for a woman to just have a freaking abortion in. The, the man has no actual say in it. Where in the opposite, if the man doesn't want the child, and it is a child, their location makes no difference. That is not a factor. It is a human being. It is a child. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Um, but the man doesn't have a say in that process. But you're also supposed to pay to the woman who has total control, and this, the reason I bring that up is, is not for the specificity of those obvious facts. The reason I bring it up is because we have a culture and we have a society that has, and Adam, I know you know this, dumbed down and deliberately emasculated the man, the husband, the father in the home. You can see it in your TV commercials. You can see it in your movies. The men are absolutely emasculated. What does that result in? First and foremost, it results in lack of respect from the female, lack of respect from the woman, from the wife. But more importantly, it results in a lack of respect from the children. And so how are we supposed to deal with that? I'm not asking you personally, because I think this is a broad aspect that's literally almost impossible to solve outside of encouraging people to critically think and, you know, dissolve their, their cable news network. My God, why is anybody subscribing to cable news? But, What you're saying right here is so freaking important because we have fathers being metaphorically neutered by cable news, by media. And it's completely detrimental to our society because fatherless homes, statistically, regardless of any demographic whatsoever, and I hate demographics, uh, I'm a libertarian, uh, actually an anarchist. So I hate the fact that we 
well, the black community, and you and I talked about this. I was like, well, let's talk about how the, the single motherhood rate has skyrocketed in the black community versus everyone. That I still hate it. I hate it with all my guts because <laughs> we are individuals. And so we are responsible. So what are we consuming? How do we resolve the issue of the demasculization of the male and husband father role in our society? Because it's absolutely a killer. And personally, and you can disagree with me on anything you want whatsoever, Adam. I promise we'll talk about it. You're amazing. But to me, the demasculization of the man in society and the role of the father. And again, not to beat a dead horse, I only said it once, but in the role of small boys and teenage boys, if this, if this is not course corrected, it will be destructive to America. And, and there's no way to recover from it. Your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing I, I did want to say also is because you were talking about women uh, saying, well, it's a, the fathers are important for the girls, too. That is true. Um, so Very. psychologically, the, the most important parental figure is the same sex figure for the child. Right. That this is from a developmental standpoint, but it's because we're we're a species that mimics. Right. And the most important male figure would be the father because I'm mimicking the male. I'm mimicking how he treats the wife. I'm mimicking his morals, his standards, how he carries himself. I'm mimicking all these different things. Yeah. Um, it is, it's different if I try to mimic the mother. Now, there are things that we do pick up from the opposite sex parent. Like there were things because I didn't go off with my father that I feel that I, I was more sensitive and I had feminized kind of traits. And I think some of that was from mimicking. Um, I don't necessarily want to say my mother, but maybe females who were close to me or maybe around me to some respect. But there were things that I literally had to unlearn and be more conscious of as I became an adult. Um, and, and I had to alter. And these were things that most men who grew up with their fathers don't experience. So it was like unlearning, unlearning patterns, unlearning uh, certain behaviors. Uh, one of my biggest things was I was just really sensitive to certain things. Um, I was really sensitive to how people saw me and, um, and, and took certain approaches that um, I would just say like we're, we're feminine. Um, and so I, they were, basically what I'm getting at is while the, the father is the most important figure for the boy, the mother is the most important figure for the daughter. Um, mm -hmm. But the daughter looks at the father figure usually from a sense of how she interacts with authority figures, how she interacts with men, uh, what her expectations are from men in, in treatment uh, to herself, right? It's very often that you'll see a girl who grows up without her father and she doesn't respect authority. That's one thing that, that has, it's been very, very sharp in my mind. Like she doesn't have to turn into anything crazy. She can be a professional for all I know, 
but there's something about the lack of respect for an authority figure, right? And especially if it's a male authority figure. So when you hear people saying, you can't tell me what to do, you know, you can't, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where, um, and I know you're a libertarian, so maybe this is like a little bit weird, but let's just say yeah, police officers, <laughs> you know, so police officers, whether you like them or not, they, they do have some sort of authority. And so when you see like videos that go viral of females or even males, to be honest with you, who have zero respect for an authority figure. Um, and, and I'm not saying the cop is being crazy and irrational, but I'm just saying like basic commands that are given to the person like, hey, stand over here. You know, we're trying to figure and they're just, you know, mouthing off. And, and I'm just watching their behavior. There's like zero respect for an authority figure or even just zero respect for your personal safety because the person that you're going after has a gun on them, right? It's not a good right. idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's so, not. So it's a go after that person. So cop or not, like it's not a good idea. So maybe you should, uh, you know, take some caution as to how you're doing. For these people, they don't even... They don't even take caution. They they have zero respect for an authority figure. And, and I look at certain relationship dynamics. Imagine if she has no respect for an authority figure like a police officer. How the fuck is she going to respect you as a man in the house? Hmm. And so it's no, it's no, it's no wonder when we see these families, and there I, I use family loosely, but it's no wonder when we see relationships fall apart because women see us as optional. They don't respect us. They don't respect our authority. They don't respect our viewpoints, right? And let's say for that girl who grew up without her father, she doesn't know what respecting authority looks like. She doesn't know what respecting a male figure looks like. And her mother may be pumping her head up where you don't need a man. You can do this all by yourself. Men are optional, men are trash. Blah, 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 blah. We can say all that stuff. No, no problem. Just roll off the tongue. So I, I think there's something there uh, as far as the treatment of uh, from women towards men where it's mm. highly misandric um, and we don't talk enough about it. And, and one last thing I'll say, you had mentioned, you know, their boys are the ones who are shooting up these places. But guess what? The girls who are growing up without their fathers are the ones who are giving birth to the boys who are shooting up these places. And hmm. that's that's the part that I think we need to, to focus on as well. No, I think you're absolutely correct on that. It is, um, I, I, I don't know the statistics, so I'm not gonna pretend or try to portray them, but mm -hmm. I, I'm, I've got an inclination, at, at, at least an inclination, and I would, be willing because I have done the studies um, over the past few years that it is single mother homes that mm -hmm. are doing this. And so <clears throat> I, 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 ha I struggle right between toggling left and right, whether it is a single mother issue versus a fatherless issue, because personally uh by biology biologically and kind of genetically you know mothers are very geared toward one not one but 
a specific subset of, of avenues to try and foster a child to becoming a very, you know, uh, successful and, and, and productive member of society when it comes to adults. And so I'm not sure that I want to pin. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think I want to pin these things on the mother per se. It, yeah. it, maybe in rare instances, of course, but I, I definitely would absolutely without question and without hesitation pin a lot of it on a fatherless home or an absentee father, like I referenced before, even though the father is in the home, he's not engaged in the child's development and he's just basically useless other than paying bills. I think but to I, be honest with you, and and it's hard to get any sort of data around this, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just looking culturally. It is far yeah. more common than people believe as far as who initiates the separation of family. So I'll tell you the one thing we oh, do know that, fact. you know, women initiate divorces more than men. It, it's by a lot. Yeah. By so a lot. We, we know the aspect of divorce where they're in a, uh, you know, concrete. I can't even speak. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> where they're, they're under con contractual, yeah, contractual obligation to each other, right. theoretically. And they're, they're more willing to disconnect from that, relationship uh through a divorce so to yeah. me it's saying if they're willing to do that under that situation why wouldn't they be willing to do that if they're not divorced right if they're not i'm sorry not divorced not married why wouldn't yeah, they be willing to do that and also um it wasn't necessarily a study per se but it was an examination of mass shooters this is from a number of years ago um because I, I was looking at this information because i wrote an article this year or this past, you know, we're in 2023, but in 2022, I wrote an article going talking about mass shooters. Um, I, I, I can't remember how, how long it was, but it was basically a long list of mass shooters. Um, and basically I want to say it was more than, let's say 70, 80% came from some sort of, uh, family dysfunctional situation. So huh. whether it was divorce, and it actually gave details, uh, whether it was divorce, abuse, um, uh, neglect, but it was some sort of family dysfunction that the, the kids were under. Um, and, and I think that like, there's definitely something there that people need to kind of understand. It's not as simple as, well, we just got a divorce and the kids will figure it out and everything will be good. And it's like, no, like this is, from a child's perspective, their world is splitting apart, right? Yeah. And so half of them is, is gone. <laughs> you know, if you're with the mother now, the dad's somewhere else, like, but you're so, you spent 10, 12 years, your dad being right here, that is a lot to, to take under. Um, and it really, really mm -hmm. messes with kids. So it's not me saying that people should never get divorced, you know, if it's that bad of a situation. But I do believe that um, we don't value relationships um, from the sense of family, but we value relationships from the sense of our feelings and our emotions. So I'm not happy. So I'm going to, you know, remove my kids from the home, 
uh, move to a different city, create family turmoil, because I'm not happy. Nothing bad has necessarily happened to me. I'm just not in love with this person anymore, the same way I was before. You know, and I think we've engaged in a, in a very, very selfish way of approaching relationships um, where the kids mm -hmm. don't really matter as much as people uh, think they should matter, but the kids don't really matter in that way. It is much more like, I'll, I'll give you an example. There is a, a friend of my sister's when I was growing up, as soon as she went to college, they got a divorce <laughs> and they knew they were going to get a divorce, but they said, we do not want to separate from, from each other while the kids are still here. Yeah. And, and there's something about that I think is a little bit admirable that they had the child's best interest in mind, you know, where they were cordial enough because it sounded like she didn't even, she didn't know that it was going to happen. Like she didn't, like, I didn't know my parents weren't getting along, yeah. you know? So I, this was a long time ago, but I, I see things getting worse in that way. Um, where we don't, we don't consider how it impacts the kids. We just think about our feelings, you know, uh, what this person said to me and, and you never look for any sort of resolution. I'm not worried not, about all that. No. And you should be 100%. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that for sure, because I think, and, and everybody can hate me for this. I don't care. I don't care. I want the truth out there. And the fact of the matter is, is that your goofy little feelings that you felt at the beginning of your relationship do not translate to a proper marriage and raising of children years later. Love is an action verb, and it does not just apply to your spouse, but also to your children. You mm -hmm. have an obligatory duty, 1,000%, because love is an action verb that you are willing to make sacrifices for your from your own feelings in respect of the other people that are involved in said arrangement. I mean, this is not controversial. It's not whatsoever. You have chosen to spend your life with somebody else. That's a contractual agreement saying there is no circumstance in which I will abandon said agreement lest you do, right? And the less yeah. you do is not something that is compromisable. It has to be something major. It isn't because you don't feel the butterflies of love anymore. No, you have a obligatory duty to make sure that you're providing the you know as best as you can mm -hmm. accurate application of your agreement and the kids are the ones that suffer the most okay you you're not granted some ridiculously ambiguous lazy platform of well, I just don't feel like I'm. A, no, nobody cares about your feelings. That's not what marriage was or ever is about. It's about mm -hmm. you committing to that other person and saying, we are going to work this out 
no matter what. And we're going to have children and we're going to help populate this earth. And those children are going to understand that no matter what, we're going to work this out. And we are going to provide the best scenario for the people under our jurisdiction. And look, I'm divorced. Okay. I'm divorced. My pre-Jesus days. I'm a Christian now. So maybe a lot of this is coming from Christian dialect. That is really irrelevant because it's just common sense. It's just freaking common sense. However, my children deserve the utmost energy and just basic uh, uh, trying to make sure that the relationship between me and my wife works regardless of the disagreements. And I think Mm -hmm. you're really hammering this home. And I I think it's really, really important that we continue to, uh, to, to bring this back to pass and that we as adults have the responsibility to work out between one another as best Mm -hmm. as we can to make the sacrifices of our own selfish desires on behalf of the other person so that we can provide an environment for our children. And and ultimately this just replicates, uh, or I would say reciprocates within the community for a long way. And we can, we can make good good people. I don't understand the conflict. I mean, I I think we're dealing with ideological conflicts. I think we're dealing Mm. with people who are ultimately selfish um, yes. you know, we, we have an ideology that convinces people that being selfish is ideal, um, and sacrifice is weakness, um, and duty doesn't even exist among the sexes, right? You, you know, we, we don't even have roles for men and women anymore, right? That's, that's what they want to preach. Um, and, and that there's no fundamental difference between men and women, right? You know, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, miseducation um, when it comes to interpersonal, uh, uh, I'm sorry, inter um, interpersonal dynamics between men and women, uh, relationship dynamics, understanding each other, understand that we communicate gener- generally speaking, I'm speaking very general, but generally yeah. we speak differently, we see things differently, we approach things differently. And different doesn't mean bad, or it just means different. And right. I think that we have to find some sort of way um, to discuss it in a, in a healthy and mature way. Um, and I think far too often the people who have the bullhorns aren't mindful enough. I'll, I'll use the word mindful. They're not mindful enough to have these conversations. Um, you know, I, I'll use an example of talking about race. Part of the reason why I'm willing to write and talk about race is because I believe that 95% of the people who write and talk about race do it in a really dumb way. Um, Completely and, agree. <laughs> you know, it's it's like um, cookie cutter. Any and these are there are people that, generally speaking, I agree with 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 the context of what they're saying, but they approach it in a really dumb way, right? They approach it in a way that they know will piss off someone who disagrees with them. It's, it's 
limed in their own ideology, neglecting from other things as well. And I want to talk about it in a smart way, not in a dismissive way, but I want to talk about it in a smart way where I, I take awareness of the arguments that they're making, but I'm saying, but this is my opinion. I'm not discrediting yeah. you. I'm saying, here's how I see it. And so that's why I don't get a lot of heat from people. I'm not on a lot of people's radars is because I don't say the dumb stuff that people, let's just say on my side might say. And, right. you know, and listen, the, generally speaking, the people that I agree with, they're saying, they're say, I'll use a phrase that I think more people need to understand. You can be right and wrong at the same time. Absolutely. And, and I see that on the political right all the time. You're right, but you're absolutely wrong in your approach. Yes. Right? And, <laughs> and what I'm trying to do is be right and be right about my approach. And, and that's, that's the difference, I think, that uh, between myself and, other, and, and many people, even people I agree with, is because they're not mindful of that, right? They, they aren't, like, I'm very focused on the psychology end, and I'm very focused on communication. So everything that I write, I'm consciously aware of how someone might perceive what I'm saying. So I'm not writing to say, you know, I'm not using buzzwords and, and, and piss off points to say F this person, that person. I'm very consciously aware that if I use strong terminology, I'm using it towards an idea or a, a, a people who possess a bad idea. So I'm not necessarily criticizing this particular person, but I'm criticizing the, the what is in their head and their actions. Yep. The and that's mindset. a little bit, the mindset, that's different. And I, I see so many people attacking the person. It's like, but that, that person could disappear tomorrow. And guess what? There are a million other people who believe the same bad idea. You should be attacking the idea and not the individual. And, and I think that is something that is truly missing. And that's why we can't have these conversations about uh, the differences between men and women, the dynamics between men and women is because from the female side, it's misandric, you know, it's antagonistic, it's angry. From the male side, it's dismissive, right? It's, you know, it, it, it's uh, flippant. It's just like, ah, you know, whatever. And we don't actually speak to, we don't speak with each other. We speak at each other. Um, and in the end, to wrap it all up, in the end, our kids are, you know, are, are harmed by it. They're not getting the service that they deserve. And then guess what? They grow up to repeat the same bad behavior that they've been watching the adults do for years. Man, you, you, you nailed that. Um, I really wanted to go into some other things, but uh, wow, that was kind of a mic drop moment. <laughs> so maybe I'll just uh, I, I'll end this with very one simple question. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think we can reach these communities? Mm -hmm. And again, this is not demographic specific. How can we combat the the destructive information that's being shoved down our throats from all sources on every demographic. Uh, do, you, do you have an answer 
and, and I'm not looking for like a perfect answer, right? Because <laughs> there is no perfect answer. That's freaking impossible. We're yeah. dealing with a machine that is hell-bent on the destruction of American society. And I wholeheartedly believe that the, the very uh, basic mechanism of how they're going to do it is destroying the man in the fatherhood of American society because there's no more or better effective way. There's no more effectual avenue in which you are going to tear down the fiber of a society than, than making the man, the father, the problem. Yeah. What do we do? So for one, I, I think the solution lies within Gen Z or beyond. Um, you know, millennials, boomers, Gen Gen X. You know, I'm. There's nothing that that we won't be able to change anybody's mind. Um, oftentimes, you learn from different things, not because it worked out, but because it failed. And I think we're going to reach a point where it's failing, and people are going to look around and saying, "Like this isn't working." And I actually think that there are some Gen Z. Um, young people who are seeing this, there's more curiosity um, and learning about uh, different things outside of, let's say, feminism, outside of that. They're, they're willing to hear other perspectives. Um, and I don't think they're given enough credit. Um, they are very socially conscious. Not all of them are woke. Um, and some of them choose to be woke because they just want to do something that feels good that, that seems right. Um, and I, I wrote an article about this where it's very similar to the hippies, right? The hippies were mostly young people who wanted to, to do something positive. They wanted to end the Vietnam War, uh, peace, love, unity, and all this other Amen. stuff. Th this, is, this is the idealism of young people. They want to do something good. It's just that the woke have given them uh, a cookie cutter solution a way to behave, a way to fix society and all these different things. And what's the opposite given them? Nothing. Do they, they basically say the status quo is good enough. And these people aren't stupid. You know, they're looking around them. Of course, there's issues. But when you have people who are just saying the status quo is fine, the status quo is fine, and they're looking around them, and their perception is there are fires around here and you're not willing to put them out, that's a problem. They're not going to adapt what you're saying. You have to give them some sort of plan. You have to give them some sort of solution. Um, and oftentimes, I feel like the anti-woke are not providing uh, solutions. They're just pointing at the problem. Um, but I believe the, to fix society, I believe to, to fix the dynamics between us, uh, Gen Z and beyond are going to look at the failures of their parents and grandparents. They're going to see like that didn't work. I didn't like how this was. And they're going to be more open to information. We're, I mean, we're in the information age. We're in the social media age. We have Google. We have all these different things. Yep. They have way more access to information today than when, even when I was a kid and early access to the internet. So at some point that information is going to make it to them. And they're going to take that information and compare it to the world around them. 
And if they're in a failing situation, enough of them are going to say, maybe this isn't working. And maybe they will go more in the traditional route. Maybe they'll just try something different. I don't want to be like my parents who got divorced when I was 10 and I struggled and I suffered X, Y, and Z. Like they're going to say, maybe this is how I change things. And listen, I've changed personally because of failure. I know tons of people who, who fail and change. You know, the most successful people in this country have failing businesses. And the next yeah. business was a success and they're making lots of money. So you can, we can obviously learn from our failures as a country. And I think uh, Gen Z or the following generation will be, if it's going to happen relatively soon, it's going to happen between those two generations, in my opinion. Man, I hope you are right. <laughs> there, that, that, that's a big black pill, or I'm sorry, it's a big white pill. And I hope it's going to resonate within our communities. Um, both for me, I'm, I'm ethnicity really means nothing for me. Um, I'm, I'm half Spanish, half Cajun. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care that you're black. I don't care that anybody is the race that they are. My issue is, is that we are seeing certain demographics being engaged in very destructive action. And so, and and that's not going to, that's not going to provide or produce any sort of positive results for our country whatsoever. And that's also a problem for me. It's like, okay, I get it. Right. Like I, I don't care that they're a certain race, but also we must acknowledge and try to discover and dissect why these things are happening. And to me, I really 100% without question, without Mm -hmm. question, believe that these problems are coming from a fatherless society amongst young men. Of course, daughters need their dads. My daughter, I have, I'm a father of three. I got two daughters and a son. <laughs> yeah. My daughters need me for their guidance. They need that prominent authoritarian, authorita- authoritative, sorry, <laughs> uh, uh, figure from a, because this is just natural biology. It's natural science. They need that male figure as their leader. But my God, do boys need it way more. And my friend, Adam, you are leading the front on this. You are just an absolutely amazing person. I've got your you. Substack right here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Thank you. Because if I had the audience that you do, if I had the following you do, I'd be doing the same damn thing. But you know what? I don't. You do. And so you deserve the airtime for people that may not know who you are and for the people that may not understand how detrimental this is to our society and how much we need to improve on the fact that fathers, we need them. I'm sorry if that offends you. Actually, I'm not sorry, but it is what it is. (laughs) And so, Adam, thank you so much for joining the show you can follow at or please subscribe to adam's substack at adam 
bcoleman.substack.com. Please follow him on Twitter at, at wrongspeak. I'm going to put that up right now. At wrongspeak pub. He, you are a yep, that's pub. for the publishing company. Yep. Um, where would you where where else would you want people to follow you? Um, well, so Wrong Sweet Pub is for Wrong Sweet Publishing's Twitter account. So we have uh just to let people know, uh, we invite people to write articles, um, different viewpoints to express themselves, uh, amateur writers, maybe inexperienced writers, but people who want to be heard. And so we give them a platform to be heard. Um, so you can check out wrongspeak.substack.com uh, so you can read these different articles, subscribe to it. Um, if you want to support, feel free to support. We have uh, paid subscriber options as well. Um, but my my Twitter account is what you see on screen here, right there. there. <laughs> I got it right here. Yep. At Wrongspeak Pub. And yep. yours as well. Yep. You know, at Adam Coleman. Oh, it's not. Uh, give me one second. There we go. Yeah. At wrong underspeak. Oh, I'm sorry. At wrong underscore speak. For those of you that will be listening later, which will be literally thousands of people. And so I am so happy and, and very adamant, adamant about promoting Adam on this show because i think man your voice is so important it's something that is sorely needed and i think that the um and to be quite honestly to shove you in the old demographic part that i can uh, just hate so much <laughs> the fact of the matter is is that our society is literally hinging on these things they're literally basing some political opinions in the way we operate in this country on certain demographics. So, yes, right. I am glad to have a black man on here to discuss these things because your demographic needs it. And I want the audience to be broader and you have that ability. And so, unfortunately, we're going to operate within the means of how society directs itself. And right now, our society, Neanderthal-like, is <laughs> doing that based on freaking skin color and gender, which blows my mind in 2023. Like, this is not, what's, not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be basing our intellect and our opinions on what? We're supposed oh, to be end. doing that on... Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I cut you doing off. that on intelligence. <laughs> yeah, intelligence and opinion, right? Not based on immutable characteristics. It's just so frustrating to me that we're sitting here having this conversation and, and, and still having to fight over whether or not somebody has merit in their opinion over the fact that they're black or brown or white or whatever. It's just mm -hmm. maddening to me. It, it drives me up the wall. Anyway, I will uh, end the rant because I, I've ranted way too long there at the end. That my apologies, <laughs> Adam. You are the man, dude. Uh, please give us one final shout out of how you want people to follow you, what you want them to do, and how we're supposed to uh, move forward in helping you in your endeavor. 
Yeah, uh, definitely check out my articles on human events. I'm a columnist there. Um, I also write for the New York Post. I want to say basically every week now. Um, uh, so yeah, check me on the different publications. I, I, yeah. Anything that I do, I put it on my Twitter. Twitter is my number one. Facebook has turned into, you know, uh, to play, you got to pay kind of scenario anyway. So uh, definitely check me out on Twitter at wrong underscore speak. Uh, and definitely go to my Substack, adambcoleman.substack.com. And if you're interested in articles written by interesting people, regular people, definitely go to wrongspeak.substack.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show. Um, go to his Substack, adambcoleman.substack.com. Check him out immediately. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Substack, I checked it out myself and subscribed to it because uh, amazing stuff, amazing, amazing stuff. Adam, thank you. You're a very busy, yeah, you're very welcome. You're a very busy man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I, I can't wait to have you back on, and hopefully, you'll be writing. I hope right now you're writing a new book. Um, I'm, I'm about to buy your old one, and um. We'll be able to hear from you a lot more here in the very recent future. Uh, do you have plans for buying a book? I got to ask, or uh, writing a book, sorry. Yeah, I started writing it a while ago, and then I've been incredibly busy. Um, and yeah. you have to, the writing process for a book, uh, you have to focus a lot. So it was very easy for me to write my book because no one who I knew who I was, no one even knew I was writing a book. So it was very freeing and easy. <laughs> Uh, but now I, I'm writing for a living. Um, so I have to get my, my head completely, you know, on the process. So hopefully soon. Yeah. yeah. Lots more pressure now that you're, uh, you are, uh, under the media microscope. So, yeah. um, prayers to you, brother, uh, you to me are an amazing individual and I'm praying for you and I hope the best success ever. I hope you reach millions and um, thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely incredible. Again, please, I'm going to put it back on the screen. Go check out Adam B. Coleman .substack.com. All right. It is worth your time. It's worth your subscription. I promise you. Follow him on Twitter at WrongSpeakPub. And I'm going to tell you the reason I tell uh, brought him on the show is because I found him on Twitter at WrongSpeakPub. Okay? These are important issues. The, look. The... These are some of the most imperative things that we have facing our country today. And I hate the fact that a lot of people find them unsexy or unattractive. It's crazy to me. Crazy to me. What he's talking about, what he's doing, is exactly what the issues of this country in our local communities need to address. 
and they need to be addressed immediately because we're facing a crisis. And you've heard me say it time and time again. Crisis is the rally cry of the tyrant. So when they talk about COVID, when they talk about uh, mass shootings, and, and whatever they want to say, and they say crisis, those are rally cries of the tyrant. When we talk about what we're dealing with locally and what we have to do immediately, Within our local communities, the power that we have to affect change and to do the things that we have to do, I don't know how else to lay it out. I really don't. This has to be done. It has to be done immediately. And I'm telling you right now, if there is a quote-unquote crisis, the main crisis is Fatherless homes. Yes, some communities are affected worse than others. I'm not concerned with that per se. I'm concerned with that it is an issue. Boys need dads. And they need strong fathers. And they need them now. We're a little bit over time here. We're one hour and 14 minutes. So. We will let it go. I have so much to say about this. I'm going to bring Adam back on several times because um, we didn't even scratch the surface of what I wanted to talk about. And so I'll bring him back on many other times. Um, We'll leave it there. Please like the show, share it, subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to the show. The best thing you can do is share it. And uh, we're getting the word out there. This show is growing exponentially every week. It's amazing to me. I've only been doing this a year and a half. And wow, the uh, the numbers coming back from Spotify and Anchor.fm are just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. So you guys enjoy the content. And since you do enjoy the content, please share said content and subscribe. And also go to adam b coleman.substack.com i like saving that right there at the end i love you very much i will see you wednesday same cajun time same cajun channel and i am out